Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Art of Decluttering podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kirsty Ferugia from Feels Like Home Professional Organizers. And I'm Amy Ravel from Simply Organized. We can't wait to share with you all our tips and tricks to help you declutter and keep your home and family organised. If you'd like to engage with the podcast further, you can find us at The Art of Decluttering on Facebook. Let's get started. You've joined us for episode 48 of The Art of Decluttering. Today, we'll be talking about decluttering and organising your sentimental items. This is the point in every session when we're out with clients that we tread gently and we tread with grace and there's often tears, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Megan, for bringing this topic up for us to talk about. Megan Gascogne. Is that how I say your surname, Megan? (laughs) Or Gascoigne. Gascoigne. It could be Gascoigne. Actually, I like that. Either one. Megan. You're the best. Or is it Megan? Oh, don't even. It, it might could be, be Megan. We're sorry. We're really sorry that we've made butchering. you butchered your name. <laughs> but we appreciate your suggestion to talk about sentimental items because yes. it is a huge area in so many people's homes and it's often a block. It is very much a stopping point, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because it, Something... it hits every emotional kind of response and it's really hard to navigate that. Yes. And for us, it's really um, interesting to try and tread gently, isn't it? Like, because you never know what, what, um, never know what's going to trigger. No, you never know what's yes. going to trigger, and you never know what that triggering is going to look like. Correct. You don't know if it's going to, the whole session's going to go pear shaped yep. because of it. Like, yeah, you and, can get tears, or you can get anger. Mm. You can get like people just shut down. Yes. We almost just see this wall come up around them, like, don't talk to me about that dinner set. Yes. I've actually had... No, I'm sorry. Yeah, and because relationships are so tricky, like, I've had a client who's actually, who had an um, interaction with her father whilst we were talking about something, like her father lives with her Mm -hmm. in a bungalow, and... um, I she actually ended up saying, I'm sorry, Kirsty, I just can't go on with a session. I have to go and have a cup of tea and I just can't do mm. any more today. And it's, it's really um the emotions can just sidetrack you. Yes. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So we appreciate that this is that tackling these areas 
can be really challenging for all of our, for most of our clients. Some people are not sentimental like Amy right here. I'm not a very sentimental person um, myself. No, but you're very But I'm kind. so aware of it yes. for my clients. And I think to being the non-sentimental person, and my husband's not very sentimental either. I don't think Cal's got really anything that's sentimental, like not a thing. I've probably got more than him. But sometimes in a relationship, you can have one person who's really sentimental and the other person is just frustrated rather than trying to understand them. And I think understanding is really important when you're living with more than just yourself, whether it's kids, partners, parents, housemates, there has to be understanding because sentimentality is not a head thing. It's not logical sometimes. Almost always it's not logical. (laughs) No, because it's it's nearly always emotional. It's a heart thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it can be really tricky. I am sentimental. Um, I, and Simon would say I'm way sentimental. (laughs) Does that mean he's not? So comparatively you are? Yes. Like he, he can be, he's probably more than you and Cal, Mm -hmm. but he, when, yes, compared to me, I'm way more sentimental. And yet I think a lot of my clients would think that I'm not sentimental. Compared to you, Simon's a rock, but compared to you... Your clients. I'm the rock. That's right. Yes. Yes. It's all comparative. (laughs) It is. (laughs) So Kirsten and I thought we would come up with some questions. There are no hard and fast rules really when it comes to sentimentality and the items you choose to keep or the items that you just cannot bear to part with. So we've got some questions that we thought would help your decision-making process because really I think the process is really important for sentimental items, more so than where you end up. Yes. Actually being mindful of the process is the really valuable part in this. Yes. So, and that's why we want to ask these questions because you really need to acknowledge why it is that you're so attached to particular items. Like, does it remind you of a place, a person or a time or, yeah. And so it's, it's tricky. And I find particularly for our generation cursed, so where we still have parents alive and often still grandparents alive, but we also quite often have our own children, is that we keep things because of what it means to other people, not because of what it means to us. Mm-hmm. And so we might keep something because it's my grandma's, even though we have no sentimental attachment to it, or we might keep something because what if my kids want it, even though we have no sentimental attachment to it. And I think sometimes just recognizing that helps you make the decision. And I think also with our generation, we are the generations before us were brought up with parents who went through the Great Depression. That's true. And so they're very attached to things. That generation, that third, second generation above us, our grandparents, can be very attached to things. And they, we're brought up in a generation or grew up in a generation that you can just fix everything or there's always a purpose for something. So you can't throw anything out because you, when do we know when the next Great Depression is going to happen? That's like right. The we're fear. so It's based in fear, isn't yeah. it? Like it's yeah. that scarcity and fear mindset that um, – and also like on the positive, their usefulness. Like there's a use for that and we can use that and we can repurpose it. We can find a place for it. Well, they didn't live in a culture of Kmart. They didn't live in a culture of, I buy it inexpensively and I know it's not awesome quality, but it's not terrible either. And I use it 
And when it breaks, I just buy a new one. Yes. Because that's our mentality. I don't have a good dinner set because I just have a dinner set and when it breaks, it's buy another one. Yes. And that's different. Like our consumerism is so different and they didn't have that available. No. They couldn't just get on eBay and buy a replacement as soon as something broke. Yes. And they didn't have the disposable income to do that. Correct. Like every penny went to feeding their children and to Such a different saving time. for a house. And so they pass that down to their children who are our parents. And our parents ha- can have that same philosophy. Particularly if they, often for our generation of parents, they were bought up in lack. Yes. And then they kind of became parents in, say, the 70s and 80s. Yeah, the baby boomers. When there was, right, the baby boomers, when there was more money. Yes. And there was a real boom in Australia. And so they all of a sudden had money and they could buy stuff and they started traveling overseas and they started having their kids do sporting lessons and ballet and music lessons. It totally shifted. Barbie dolls and Tonka toys, everything shifted for that generation. But and they still they, had the, yes. the the self-talk that they'd been brought up with. Yes. And they were like, well, you should be really grateful, you children, us, because you did get so much. So why are you chucking out that Cabbage Patch Kid that cost us so much money? We sacrificed for yeah, that. Yeah. We, we, we went without so that you could have a Cabbage Patch Kid that cost 50 bucks in 1983, which yeah. is ridiculous. Like... And so you can't throw that. Why are you throwing that out? Like, why can't your kids play with that? Why do they need a new one? They can just play with your Cabbage Patch Kids. But I'll buy your kids more toys. Yeah, that's right. It's it's like that poor generation is has been through every shift to now the consumerism where they're the baby boomers with money retired. Yes. And they just want to lavish on our on my children what they couldn't necessarily give us when we were that age. Yes. So. We're lucky. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? Like all of that is part of our history as Australians and often Westerners. Yes. Behind some of this sentimentality. Yes. And so that's where I think that's really helpful to know that and know that that's what's underpinning Correct. some of our parents and our grandparents' philosophies of why we need to keep things. Because that helps you understand. Yeah. And, and understanding is critical to dealing with your sentimental items. Yes. Because then you can go, well, yes, I know that I've been told I need to keep this all my life, but why do I need to keep this? Mm. Like, what, what is it about this Cabbage Patch doll? that I need to keep? Like, is it because it was my first toy that my parents actually spent a lot of money on? And I had such fond memories of, you know, I want to honor my parents because they spent that money, but then I have such fond memories playing with this Cabbage Patch doll that I can't actually let it go, even though my kids have no, I've got boys and they don't want to play, like not the boys don't want to play with dolls, but they're 11 and 12 year old boys who don't want to play with dolls anymore. That's right. That might be a situation where they're just not interested. Yeah. So why, why is it that you are keeping this Cabbage Patch doll, Mm. for instance? Mm. So we're going to ask, give you some more questions to ask. Another question you might choose to ask is, is there a way I can remember this memory without keeping the physical item? So you could think about photos. You could think about stories. Kirst often talks about giving honor to an item through storytelling Mm. and how you would pass, say, a story around an item onto the next generation. Yeah, I love that because then the Cabbage Patch doll doesn't necessarily have to be kept. The story can be kept. So when your daughter's 
or son that is playing with a toy and they're really attached to it, you can tell them the story about how you used to love your Cabbage Patch doll as well. And I know that that's like... Like we can think of more sentimental items than a cabbage patch doll, maybe. But like, <laughs> yeah, I sold my cabbage patch doll recently. Yeah, how much money did you make? Two hundred and twenty dollars. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It just happened that mine was some rare one that my dad bought me from Korea in nineteen eighty-three. Oh my goodness, it was eighty-three. <laughs> and so he'd gone to Korea. He'd gone to South Korea and bought me home this cabbage patch doll, and it was a limited bucks. edition. Yeah. Was it in mint condition? Had no. you ever played with it? She or had, was that... No, no, she was so loved. She was filthy. She had no clothes and her hair was matted. $220. People are incredible. So aren't they're they? cabbage patch doll collectors, which I didn't know <laughs> until I just looked on eBay one day before I threw it out. Because I said to the boys, this is my cabbage patch doll, you know, da 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 da. da. Do either of you want it? And they went, no, we're not interested. So I rang my sister and said, do any of your boys or girls want it? No. So I thought, I'll just check on eBay, see if it's worth any money. Otherwise, it's going in the bin. So. Wise. Sentimental items. Consider whether or not there are people that collect them. My child's similar, hundreds of dollars you can get for them. So Sylvanian families, all the toys that we grew up with, you may actually be able to sell make them. Make a whole lot of money. Make some cash. <laughs> but then you could use that and say, well, I'm going to do something special. I'm going to take the kids somewhere. I'm going to, you can continue to create those memories. Yes. So yeah, we just wanted to encourage you to think about other ways of keeping the memory without the item. So the next question is, can I keep part of it and not the whole? Do you want to talk on this, Amy? Yeah. So what I've seen people do is, I don't know if it's just an Australian thing, but lots of people our generation have full crockery sets from their grandparents, Mm. but don't like them and don't use them, Mm -hmm. but love the memory that goes with them. So maybe you could just keep a plate and you could actually display it somewhere or you could keep a teacup and use it to put your jewellery in. Like really think about how you could keep just part of a set or if you've inherited a stamp collection, if you're not that type of person... Maybe frame like four or five of the prettiest stamps that remind you of whoever gave it to you and donate the rest to a stamp collecting club. This is exactly, I took a photo this morning because I knew that we were going to do this topic because I'm staying at my mum's, so shout out to Nerida and Ron because they put me up and they put up with all of our family coming over to visit me whenever I'm down. So thank you, mum and dad. Um, Mum has actually framed a photo of my dad's parents. Yeah. And put it up on a photo gallery. And then she's also framed a photo of her parents. But in the photo of her parents, who have both passed away, um, she's put my grandma's crocheting doilies. Oh, like, so she's made this like artwork as well yeah. as like, so, and put the doilies around the photo. So that's a really great memory. It means that she didn't need to keep every single one of my her mum's crocheted items. I love it. She only needed to keep the four that's in the in this frame, and the rest can go. So, I think that's the um, one way of keeping part mm. and not the whole, and giving honour and making right. that. And then we then it's an opportunity to tell stories to her grandchildren when they go, "Hey, mum, hey, grandma, or mama, as some of them call her, hey, mama, who's that?" and and she can go, well, it's your great grandparents and see these crochet, like these doilies. That's what your grandma, that's your great grandmother made. Yeah. I really love that. And I think 
you can do that right down to small items. So in our house, when my eldest was born, my grandma knitted Jessie two bombers footy boots, but they were booties. Go bombers. Go bombers. And they're adorable. So they're these tiny little booties and they've got like little studs on the bottom for the spikes or whatever those yeah. things on the bottom of the boots are called. And they studs. They are called studs. <laughs> awesome. And so he wore them and then he outgrew them and they went to the back of the sock drawer. And when I was decluttering their socks and the, these booties just kept kind of staying and they keep growing bigger. And in the end I went, I don't want to leave these booties at the back of the drawer. This is not how I want to honor them. So I actually got one and put it in a box frame and it's now hung. I think I might've told this story on the podcast before, yeah. <laughs> but it's hung in our picture frame. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's hung in a picture frame on our family photo wall, but I just kept the one yeah. and the second booty went in the bin because I didn't need that anymore. Yeah. More from us in just a few minutes. Don't forget to visit our website, theartofdecluttering.com.au and sign up for our bonus episode that's not so secret anymore. We've done episodes on linen cupboards, toys, wardrobes, pantries, jewellery and so many more. So if you're new to the art of decluttering, you'll find loads of great tips like this one from the episode we did on entryways. We keep hooks right next to our door for our keys. So that coming and going, we put our keys straight away. So if you haven't got somewhere to store your car keys, you can go as simple as what Kirsty was saying, and that's just putting a basket somewhere near the door or on top of something that you know where it is and just make sure they always go in there. And for us, that's just hanging them up near the door. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And now back to the podcast for so many more tips and tricks. And there's so many ways and creative ways about how you can keep part and not the whole of a set. I know I worked with um, a client, uh, Zoe, that we both know that was in our um, Art of Decluttering course last year. And her um, partner, her husband, has heaps and heaps of um, stuff from his parents. And his parents, they were diplomats, so they travelled quite a lot and got some beautiful, beautiful items from around the world. And they, what he did is he created a whole display case that lives in their kitchen and just displays 
just parts of some of the collections. Oh, that's like, awesome. Yeah, and then they were uh, able to get rid of a whole lot of stuff because they did not need all of it. But they're celebrating their history. Yeah, and really giving honour to it. So it was really beautiful to see that. So. Another question I like to ask is, does this item bring me joy or does it bring you pain and grief? And sometimes they're mixed, aren't they? Like yeah. you can, you know, when your parents have passed away, you may have joy and grief in the same and pain. They may be mixed. So that can be, that can be really tricky to decipher what emotion is it that you feel when you see mm. a sentimental item. And I think going through the emotion is important. And that's why often people in our sessions will, you know, cry and grieve because once you've grieved something, it's much easier to distance yourself from an item that you don't like. Don't like, yes. If you love the item, keep it. But don't leave it in the top of a wardrobe in a box to check on every, you know, 20 years when you move house. Yes. Give it honour and display it if you love it. Find a way to integrate it into your home. But if you don't like something and you're only keeping it because you feel bad, really consider whether that's a wise choice or whether you can continue to love that person and actually get rid of the items that you don't love anymore. Yeah, and I think I tell this story quite often that we are the storehouses of our own memories. Like, we are the storehouses. We are the people who get to remember our grandparents and our um, parents and aunties and uncles and, and lovers and people in our life. We are the memory keepers. So we need to be storing our memories in other memory keepers, in other people. So tell your story and also have somewhat of a detachment from the actual things so that if those things get broken, stolen, damaged, in some way are taken from you, then you don't re-grieve that loss. Like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't grieve the loss of that stolen or broken thing, but that you still know that you are the storehouse and your stories are the storehouses mm. of that person that um, has passed. So I think that's really important so that, um, you know, if your kids knock over a vase from your great-grandmother and it was worth $5,000, like, yes, you're probably going to yell at them or get frustrated at the situation, but you're not pouring all of that expectation into that loss of that property because you've actually told stories about your great-grandmother and they know the stories of it. And equally so, when we go to pass down things to our family, like when we pass on, then our kids and our grandchildren um, can tell the stories of that item and they'll know why it was significant and important to us. And that's why it's really important to declutter sentimental items so that they're not like oh my goodness I don't know was this the plate that they loved then or was it the plate that they loved that they got this time like oh my goodness there's so many stories I have to keep in my head and I um, this is too overwhelming for me I'm just going to get rid of all of it. Yeah when you're looking at boxes and boxes and boxes of inherited sentimental items it is overwhelming and I think there is a um, a gift that you can give the next generation to actually curate that. Yes. And it's the curation to keep the beautiful, keep the things you love. But we're talking about decluttering. And so what can you do, Kirst, if you've got some things that are old 
or important? Do we just send them to the op shop or do we speak to cousins and ask them how's the best way to go about it? Yeah, I love that idea of speaking to the rest of your family and offering it to them before you go and sell it even. Like you did all that. Your example of with the Cabbage Patch Kid was beautiful because you went to your sisters and asked them before you went and made $220. Like, <laughs> I reckon if they'd known, yeah, yeah, we want the Cabbage yeah. Patch doll. <laughs> but, and it's so true because some people are more sentimental than you may be. Like, well, they have different memories, memories about it. Their exactly. storehouse has a different memory. Yes. And they go, that silver piece of, that silver spoon actually embodies everything I remember about my great-grandma. Yes. Whereas for somebody else it was a statue and for somebody else it was a picture and for somebody else it was the picnic set. Yes. (laughs) And I think that's also – and other people can come up with creative ideas of how to repurpose that. Like, for instance, I've got a jar for my grandma who um, that I use as a jewellery jar, like, and that's – but that's not its purpose, it, yeah. it has another purpose. And equally so, I've got a platter that my grandma grandfather won when I was when my mum was pregnant with me and she had said uh, he had said, This is for you, for your daughter, like or for your, your son, child. For your for your child to give her on her eighteenth birthday. And it was a, a a platter and it came with a serving knife. And every time we move, Simon's like, This is so like ugly why are we keeping this and I'm like because my grandfather really wanted it for me and I actually love the platter I'm not so attached to the server if that disappeared I wouldn't be so upset but I but I care about it because my mum has told me that story that's right like what you're telling me is the story and the platter represents that yes I love that yeah even though I wasn't a massive fan of my grandfather because he wasn't a massive fan of me (laughs) And he died way before my 18th birthday. Yeah. Like, so, but I'm attached to that because my mum's told me that story and I will tell my kids that story. And if they choose to keep it or not, that when I'm gone, that is up to them. It's, I can't be responsible for other people's choices. So, and that's that's where, that's where I think it's really, it is really important. And I think also like for our parents' generation to be curating their stuff before mm. they pass. It's a great gift. Like the Swedish art of death, death cleaning, cleaning. <laughs> is similar to that. It's about saying, I'm not just going to dump everything on my inheritors yes. for them to deal with. Because how do we know what we're meant to keep? Yes. Like I don't know what my mum's favorite thing of all her things is. I don't know. No, that's going to be fun, getting up into Marilyn's roof, isn't it? Well, the roof's not the problem. Is it the garage? No, it's it? like she's just got beautiful things around the house. <laughs> yes. And large rows and like really expensive, beautiful things. I don't know what I'm... I'm going to ask her. Mum, if you're listening, can you just tell me what you'd like me to keep, please? <laughs> oh, in fact, but you'll I might... get to choose as well. Like you have True. things in... You'll see stuff in your parents' house that you go, that actually... That reminds, reminds me, me of, of mum and dad. Yeah, exactly. So it's just whether or not <laughs> your four sisters will think of the same thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> the five of us will have dibs. That reminds me of mum and dad. That reminds me of mum and dad. <laughs> I'm more attached than you. You have no sentimentality. I've heard it all over your podcast, Amy, that you have no sentimentality. So you're not getting it. I'm getting it. And do you know what I recently went through is my wedding stuff. 
Yes. Because I had kept that for sentimentality and then I realised I actually hadn't curated it in 16 years. Yes. And so we went through and have kept maybe three items, one of which was my great, great grandmother's. There's a tiny little um, rose that she put into my grandmother's bouquet and her wedding day, which then has been passed all the way down to me. So we're talking like the size of my thumbnail, but that's really important to me. Totally. Because when my kids get married, that'll go in one of their bride's bouquets. Yes. Like it's just a really fun little thing that's... That's tradition. Correct. Like it's, and that... And that's why, would, please don't hear us that we're telling you to get rid of every no, sentimental. No, but if I kept because... every wedding thing, how would the kids know what, that but... that little orange blossom was important? No, they would have chucked that. Correct. Because they don't didn't know the story Correct. of it. Now so they'll know the I've story. So when I've curated, it's clear to know what the important things are. Yeah, and I that reminds me that I often tell people to reassess their items that are sentimental yeah, because what's important to you now may not be important to you in 10 years time when you finish high school and you're all like sentimental about oh I'm leaving all my friends or you may be ecstatic that you're leaving all your friends or not friends <laughs> but you might have like I know I've got a box of letters that my girlfriends wrote to me when we were in year seven and eight when you when that was the thing to do and I know that I have to go back through that because I went through it a couple of years ago when my parents gave it to me and I, and I got rid of some stuff. But now even further down the track, I may be able to get rid of some more stuff. Yeah. And the same, you know, and it's really hard um, when you're grieving is a really, we do not recommend going through sentimental stuff when you're grieving. No, you, you need, need to, to give process. Space. Yeah. You need to have space. Yeah. And sometimes, um, one of my beautiful clients talks about disposing of things thoughtfully. Mm. And so what that means is not necessarily recycling something. It means that you sit down with the item and you really kind of reflect and think and then get rid of it. Yes. That rather than just going chuck it, chuck it, chuck it, chuck it, chuck it, it's actually a slower process. Yes. I don't think our encouragement is to rush through this, but it's to be mindful. That's probably the priority. Yes. Be intentional and mindful. But yes, I love... I love going back through things several years later too because then you know, like what, what you keep when you're baby, you know, you haven't kept anything baby from your babies. Well, we've kept that one booty. Booty, yep. but you haven't kept anything more. No. Whereas other people keep all of their baby clothes and you're like, now you're going to give your children in 10, 20 years time when they have children, you're going to give them this massive box of baby clothes. Their partner may not even like any of it. And they, and Styles change and, and, and discoloration. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you will be buying enough for your grandchildren without giving them. Like, do the curation now or and do the curation. Yeah. Don't necessarily do it as soon as they've grown out of clothes. But say your kids are 11 and, and 12 or 8 and 6, it's a good time to go back and go, well, actually – you know, has some of that spew that I couldn't see when I back, pa packed it up, is it now actually ruined the whole clothes? Yeah. And my, I do not ever want to see my grandchild in that piece of clothing. No, and be really it's considerate. It's 30-year-old spew. It's pretty gross. <laughs> be really considerate, parents, of keeping outfits. Like, I think if you're keeping one or two outfits, but if you're keeping a whole box, I think maybe you need to sit and thoughtfully go through that because it, it doesn't make sense. You don't want to keep stuff that embodies every season of your life you can't keep everything you can't well um, you can but it's probably not living your best life that's true and you may go into 
looked at having a house or storage units to hold everything. And the headspace is is crippling. Yes. Anyway. Absolutely crippling. We hope you've enjoyed this episode <laughs> on sentimental items. We'd love to hear your feedback. What we'd love to know what your favorite sentimental item, how you've given honor to it or how you could and how like if you've been inspired to give honor to your precious things. Tell us I'm about it. I'm struggling for words Yeah, right share with us and, and inspire others. <laughs> yeah, come over to Facebook and engage with us there. You can always tag your fans in our podcast episodes or share it with them because they might love to hear how to let go and process some sentimental items. And the final challenge for today is if you feel comfortable is to tag your parents in this post. So a lot of us have our folks on Facebook and so just tag them and let them know that they can start thinking about some of this too. And sorry, this is the final thing, I promise, peeps. If you're really struggling to deal with any sentimental items, Amy and I would absolutely be so honoured and feel so privileged to be welcomed into your house, to sit with you in the tears, to sit with you in the joy to help you to give honour to your things and to hear your stories. We'd be so honoured to hear your stories of your stuff. So get in contact with us if you would love to sit with us and you would love us to sit with you and work through some of your sentimental items. If you're in Melbourne or Sydney, or we can do it virtually as well. Have an amazing week. We hope that you set aside some time to sit with this episode and sit with your sentimental items and enjoy the freedom. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you've learned something awesome today, do a friend a favour and share this episode so they too can learn the art of decluttering. You can find me, Amy, over at simplyorganised.net or on Facebook as Simply Organised PO. You can find me, Kirsty, over at feelslikehome.net.au or on Facebook as Feels Like Home PO. Don't forget, you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, theartofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you love what you hear, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes. We hope you've enjoyed listening and that you've learned some tips to help you declutter and keep your home organised. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.